Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 128, You Are Good Enough. It's July 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moskovich. You are good enough. Well, this is a very big and very, very, very important topic. And hopefully, if you do not feel as if you are good enough, you'll get some opportunities for actions in this podcast. Let's get right into it. First of all, if you're new to my content, I do hope you will visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway. Next up, I am not a licensed therapist. I'm not an unlicensed therapist. I'm not a medical professional in any capacity. And none of my content in any format is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. If right now listening to this podcast, you are feeling either suicidal or that life is too hard for you or you can't keep going or anything in that genre of feelings, I am asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I promise you this is an extremely common problem that most people have experienced at some point in their lives, although we're not talking about it. I also promise you that if you keep asking for help, you will get the help that you need. So make that call or put it on social media or do whatever you need to do. I promise you people will help you. Now, my next piece is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for my podcasts on my hosting platform, rss.com, a new podcast transcript will be generated the same day as a podcast becomes live and eventually they will also be on my website. Now, you are good enough. Oh my heavens people, this is just an, an it's a major major theme and topic. You as a human being are already by virtue of the fact that you're a human being, you're already good enough. And I say this with all love and tenderness of affection in my heart because it is heartbreaking to me, heartbreaking, that too many people feel as though they're not good enough or they are not worthy or they are not deserving or they are not lovable or somehow they are inferior. So regardless of where you are in life, Regardless, your life could be a hot mess, you could have lots of problems or issues. Regardless of what's going on, what I'm saying to you is that you as a human being are good enough. You are already good enough, you're already worthy, already lovable, deserving, and 
you're just fine. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, what about evil people? Well, guess what? <laughs> this podcast is not about good versus evil or evil. I like. I know about evil. <laughs> I do know about evil. I I focus on the good and goodness because it's one of my favorite things. But we're not concerning ourselves about evil people or people who do bad things. So this idea that you are good enough, what really is going on for many people is they feel unworthy, not good enough, undeserving. And that's very painful. Even though I personally feel, well, I definitely, I definitely feel good. I definitely feel good enough. And even when people tell me to my face or in some other format that I'm not good enough, I just roll my eyes because I know that I am good enough. And that's not something anyone can take away from me. But I've coached people for years. I've been in, you know, a human being for a long time. And I am very intimately aware of how painful, deeply painful it is for a person who has low self-esteem, which is really what we're talking about. And um, so it's a painful problem and it's very common. So let's go right into the prevalence. So it's very interesting to me. There seems to be agreement. There seems to be agreement by everything I've looked at, that according to the research, up to 85% of the population has low self-esteem. Or to say it another way, 85% of the population does not feel as if they are good enough. So that's a, that's a widespread issue. If it's 85%, if the numbers are accurate, and I'm not saying the number is accurate or not accurate. I'm saying there seems to be agreement, which is kind of pointing to the fact that it might be accurate or it's predictably maybe accurate, which makes <clears throat> low self-esteem or feeling that you're not good enough an epidemic. Epidemic means widespread. And if the reports that 85% of the population has low self-esteem is accurate, then that's a widespread problem. Now, what I think is interesting is I want to take the percentage of low self-esteem at 85% and I want to do a little compare and contrast with the percentage of Americans that grew up or are growing up in a dysfunctional family in America. And that number, which is not... There's not wide agreement. It's it's a very stealth, kind of very, almost secretive. It's coming out more. <clears throat> but that percentage is 70 to 96% of Americans are growing up in a dysfunctional family, if that's accurate. <clears throat> so how interesting. 70 to 96% are growing up in dysfunctional families or grew up in a dysfunctional family compared to 85%. The 85%, by the way, is of the world who have low self-esteem, and we're going to just compare it to one other statistic, which is up to 80, up to 80% of American children are growing up or grew up in a household where they were bullied or mistreated by a sibling. So this is very interesting to me. We've got 80% of, a ch of children were bullied or mistreated by a sibling, up to 80%. 
and then 85% of the world population having low self-esteem. It's one of those things that to me makes me go, hmm, hmm. So it's an epidemic. I'm calling it a silent epidemic because this is not all over the media and the news and everything. And I even did a quick peek uh, prior to this podcast to see is low self-esteem even listed as a societal problem in America or in the world. And guess what? I couldn't find it. I'm not saying it's not, but all the sources I looked at listed all kinds of problems but low self-esteem was not one of them. So this is a silent epidemic and let's crack it open. So if you are in the 85% and feel either infrequently or frequently or somewhere in the middle uh, that you have low self-esteem or that you don't feel good enough or you don't feel worthy or you don't feel deserving, let's give you some openings for action. And by the way, there is self-esteem where people feel good enough where it's tied to their career, tied to their job, tied to their money, tied to their marriage, tied to a relationship, tied to something. And that's not helpful, but that does exist. I only found out about that earlier this year. All right. So how this is relates is what I'm going to talk about next is how you got put together. Because I already mentioned the percentage of American Americans who grew up in a dysfunctional family and the percentage of Americans that were likely or predictably bullied or mistreated. Most people, not everyone, most people get organized as human beings or put together through trauma, through adverse childhood experiences or an adverse adult experience or an adult trauma or something either early in life or later in life and we get put together as a response to that. So it's very predictable if we have up to 80% of American children who are being bullied or mistreated by a sibling, how would that leave them feeling good about themselves? It would not leave a child feeling good about themselves. And same way for adverse childhood experiences, dysfunctional families, or abuse later in life. We get put together as human beings as a response to trauma, hardships, and other events and situations. I mean, it is extremely likely that if you don't feel good enough, you might not have received enough love and affection when you were growing up or in your adult life or your, the love and affection you received was conditional. And I'm not a fan of conditional love and affection, <clears throat> although I know it's very common. So what's predictable is you as a human being, if you feel that you are not good enough or you have these little moments where <clears throat> it shows up like you're not deserving or you're not lovable or you're not good enough, it's extremely likely it's a result of childhood or adult trauma or adverse experiences in in either childhood or later life. And this is something that you can make a difference in. You're not stuck with this. You're not stuck with anything in life, in my opinion, because you can open your heart, you can grow, you can develop, you can bring love and compassion into your life. 
and you can make choices once you become aware of them. Like much of life is a choice and um, we're not talking about that either. So there are, I have a, just a few reasons why to give you like more of the flavor why people end up feeling as if they're not good enough. And in some instances, my first reason is some people are told, they are literally told you're not good enough or you'll never amount to anything. Or why can't you be like so-and-so or so-and-so? Why can't you, you know, do better? Like they are getting the message, whether explicitly directly, you're not good enough or in some other insinuation. Number two, they were treated or you were treated in a way, even if it was not spoken, where you were left not feeling good enough. If you had a perfectionist parent, oh, trust me, you probably wouldn't feel good enough because you'd get you'd get sucked into that, that vortex. And if you were young, you wouldn't necessarily recognize they were a perfectionist and you actually are good enough. Um, the next example or the next reason is because we in society, like commonly, 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 commonly out in the world, invalidate the feelings of other people. This is a very big global pro problem. I did do a podcast about it, but this is like in everyday life. People, this happens all the time, every day. You don't have to look far to find it. And when you invalidate someone's feelings, you are basically saying their feelings don't matter. So that not only happens in families, we're doing it like all the time out in society. It's also likely that you might have been abused or mistreated, had adv adverse childhood experiences, did not receive enough love and affection as I already mentioned, or it was conditional. Um, and I mentioned the dysfunctional family. And next thing is, uh, it's likely you might have a form of irrational thinking, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And uh, you could be a negative thinker, which often kind of spirals downward. If you're a negative thinker, you can spiral downward into what I call the swirling vortex of the negative thinking pack, P-A-C-K. That, by the way, the negative thinking pack is a made-up term. And what I mean by that is brooding, ruminating, catastrophizing, overthinking. You know, it just takes you down a dark road. And trauma, trauma bonding. So there could be, the reason you might um, not feel good enough is you could actually be bonded, trauma bonded, with your abuser, which kind of keeps the cycle in place and perpetuates it. Much of trauma happens in families or intimate relationships, and it's a betrayal, and then people get bonded with their abuser. So you could have kind of this trauma bonding, which keeps you feeling not good enough. Um, and there is betrayal blindness. So there's, there's some very common reasons. Now, I want to address this, the impact of not feeling good enough. And then I'm going to give you some, eventually some benefits about standalone self-esteem. So in working with people up close and personal, when you do life coaching, it's a very, 
well, at least the way I do it. It's a very, very intimate relationship where people are just extremely intimate in the details about their life and their history that they share with you. So even though I don't have a lifetime history of having of having the feeling that I'm not good enough, I've worked very, very closely with, with pretty much everybody I've ever worked with has this issue. Um, so I'm very familiar with what happens if you have this feeling or idea that you're not good enough or unworthy or undeserving, what happens is it's a filter. It's a filter that all of life gets sorted through. So, you know, if you were going <clears> to <throat> filter your water, you know, you put your water in a container with a filter and it would, it would trickle down and, and low self-esteem <clears throat> or feeling not, not good enough is that type of filter everything runs through it and what does that mean to you it means if you have low self-esteem don't feel good enough don't feel worthy you are going to attribute someone else's action statements behaviors in a different way than if you felt good about yourself and i don't mean you're going to attribute good things to that People who have low self-esteem or don't feel good enough often attribute other people's actions as mean, malicious, vindictive, when in fact, filtered through the lens of feeling good about themselves, there's nothing malicious, mean, or vindictive about it. It's a very powerful filter, in my opinion, in working with people, and it doesn't leave you in a good way. <clears throat> so I say this because we're not talking about this. And I, I wouldn't know about it if I wasn't uh, working with people so closely and for so long. So it's a painful filter, which I'll get into. So it's a filter. Whether you recognize it or not, it's a filter. I had some examples, which I actually have done in other podcasts, showing, well, if you had self-esteem, how would you end up and and uh <clears throat> i just took that out because if you know you don't feel good enough you've got to just stick with me and and eventually get into action so it is a filter and everything you think your feelings your thoughts your perceptions your conclusions and your judgments are filtered through that and the best actually example is if you have a friend or a family member or coworker or someone you know that you know has healthy standalone self-esteem you can, can compare and contrast different situations because they will arrive I promise you I've actually done this with people that I coach like all right who do you know in your life who has healthy or really good self-esteem okay go discuss it with them see and and in many instances they've already done that and they know that whether it was their spouse or their best friend or their sibling or whoever they already know that the person with healthy self-esteem has arrived at a completely different conclusion. They know that. So I'm telling you right now, this is a filter. If you are feeling not good enough or unworthy or undeserving or unlovable, that is not helping you in any way. So one avenue until you build, because I'm going to give you the steps to move to this, is to 
find somebody in your life that thinks differently. Now, the emotional aspects of not feeling good enough is extreme. It's deeply painful. It is deeply painful. And part of that pain is because of the conclusions you arrive at having filtered a situation through the lens of, I'm not good enough. So when I worked with one person some time ago, they were saying, well, this other person, they were mean, they were vindictive. And I said, well, what happened? And we went through the situation. I said, well, why would you say that's mean or vindictive? That sounds pretty, pretty normal. And they were like, oh, well, that's what, you know, that's what my best friend said. Well, so it's very painful and you might not even be in the full recogni recognition of how much pain this is bringing into your life. I would suspect that you are not. You know it doesn't feel good to not feel worthy, not feel good enough, but you might not really have any idea of how it impacts your life. So for you, what would be extremely valuable, extremely, would be to learn, well, I'm going to get into some other things, but how, to learn how to manage and process your emotions. Because that will save you and help you and make life so much easier. And on my website, coming if it's not up today, I have version 4.0 of an emotional processing. It's now called a workbook, although it might not say that on the website. It's right below the Newsweek logo. And now I've written out questions for you so that you can walk through the steps to learn <clears throat> How I manage and process my emotions. We can't find it anywhere else on the web, so it's, it is what it is. You can use it or not, but I would suggest it. All right, so one of the pieces of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And in this topic of you are good enough and the opposite, which is you don't feel good enough, is to start to bring awareness, self-awareness to your life to every area of your life. So when you are with different people, when you are different at different places, when you are in different environments, how are you left feeling? Are you left feeling inspired, nurtured, loved, cared for? Or are you left feeling you're not good enough, judged, criticized, condemned, etc.? This is going to be helpful to you because there are people, unfortunately, who judge, condemn, and put people down because that's what makes them feel better. It's not, that's not mental health, by the way. It is not mentally healthy and well to make yourself feel better by putting other people down. That's not. It is, however, we have a segment of the population that that's how they do life. So as you move towards feeling good about yourself, start to bring self-awareness and start figuring out how do certain people leave you feeling, how do certain environments, certain places, certain situations, how do you feel during while you're with them or when you're in this place or that place, and how do you feel afterwards? It's a big tell. It's really a good tell. So my request is that I'm going to give you a list now of, <clears throat> it's my list, of benefits 
for having what I call standalone self-esteem. Standalone self-esteem, by the way, is a made-up term that I have made up. And I would have made it up years ago had I known that there was this conditional self-esteem where your self-worth or feeling good or feeling good enough was tied to your circumstances or some aspect of your life. Listen, my life would have been tanked and just trashed if my feeling good about myself was tied to my circumstances because I've really had some bad stuff done to me by some very bad and uh, some evil people. So thank God, I mean, it's a miracle that my feeling good about myself and knowing I'm good enough wasn't tied to my money, my house, or my situation, and my life would have been just completely disemboweled. So standalone self-esteem is my term that I want you to move to, towards because of these benefits. Well, first of all, you're going to be significantly happier no matter what, no matter what happens. It feels better. It's better for your mental and emotional health. It's better for your physical health, as we know from psychoneuroimmunology. It improves your relationships, or at least it, it can. I would suggest it absolutely does. It helps to build resilience. It will help make life easier. Trust me. Uh, it will make you easier to be around as a person. It puts you in a positive zone. And no matter what happens with your circumstances or your situations or the people in your life, you will still be able to feel good about yourself, even in deep hardship. You won't take rejection so personally. And in fact, if you really have a healthy standalone self-esteem, you won't take rejection personally at all. You just, you just won't. Uh, your self-acceptance and your self-appreciation will be contagious for others, or at least it can be. It's an attractive quality to have. It builds emotional intelligence and by, by way of self-awareness. It means you have accepted and embraced your imperfections. It means you will not be expecting other people to be perfect. It contributes to great leadership. It means you will be less, and I do mean less, susceptible to the negative impacts of trauma and abuse. It will significantly boost or improve your ability to function in life, meaning your global assessment of functioning score. It means that you will not be assuming the worst in others or misperceiving their intentions because you are not using the lens, the negative lens of low self-esteem. It means you will have less stress, less anxiety, and less depression because you know you are good enough and you can handle life. It means you are better equipped to deal with change it fuels forgiveness and compassion for yourself, for starters, as well as for others. It contributes to longevity. You will want other people to feel good about themselves. It is healing or has healing, means that healing has already transpired. 
you will have peace. <laughs> Listen to this. It's true. You will have peace in the face of criticism, harsh judgment, condemnation, and even being told you are not good enough or worse because you already know that you are good enough. You already know that's not true. It acts as a buffer or mediator for smear campaigns and bad actors. Um, and no one can take you out of the game of life, no matter how hard they try. You will know that you didn't deserve bad treatment or abuse from others, although it won't stop it from happening. And my last one is uh, as my conjecture. I suspect, I suspect you'll sleep better. Um, for a number of reasons. I mean, I am like the queen sleeper. I like sleep, sleep like a baby. So that's over 30 benefits. Well, I don't know about you, but I think they're amazing. I think they're like the bomb. Wouldn't you want that for your life? Of course you would want that for your life. So in preparing for this podcast, and the, if you're following along with my podcast, you're, you're seeing... I'm learning as I go. I've had all of these epiphanies as I've done some research and PubMed Central and had some conversations with people. I'm learning as I go. So I am distilling this notion, this idea that you're not good enough into two foundational pieces that in my opinion, if you have them both, you are going to be well on your way. Now there's more involved and I'll get you, give you a triage list, but the first, the two pieces that I think have to be in place. And again, we know I'm not a therapist. We know I'm not like some psychological researcher, but nonetheless, I am a rational thinker. And number one is rational thinking. So rational thinking means that your thinking, your beliefs, your judgment is not distorted. It's rational. And as I've been researching rational thinking and irrational thinking, it seems as though the number of irrational thinking is extremely high. I'm not settled on a number, which is why I'm not giving you a number because I do like to do my due diligence and get my facts straight, which is what a rational thinker would do, by the way. Um, so rational thinking means your thinking is logical, it's not flawed, it's not distorted. Irrational thinking means your perceptions, your views, your judgment, and the way you think is flawed or distorted. I don't know if it's possible for you to feel good about yourself if your thinking is distorted or your thinking is flawed or your perceptions are flawed. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. I, I'm suspicious that it might not be possible, which is why I have number one, rational thinking. First of all, I have a podcast on cognitive distortions, which gives, I don't know, 15, 19, some number of cognitive distortions. Now, I understand from the research, some people have lists of 50. I don't know what's valid. Certainly, I think the ones I've included in my podcast 
are valid, but what I'm also finding is some people just, they just, they don't do research-based, authenticated material, so you have to be suspect, which is why I didn't include 50 cognitive distortions in my podcast on cognitive distortions, because I think some people really don't know what they're talking about. So rational thinking, this is number one on the list. How could you feel good about yourself if your thinking is flawed? I don't know. I suspect you might not be, but number one is rational thinking. Number two, so that is number one, and I stand by, I stand by my assertion. Um, number two, emotional processing and, and management. So what I mean by that is the things, the steps. Okay, a barking dog causes me to lose my place. I was on emotional processing and managing. And that is the steps or the pieces that you go through in your mind to identify and then manage and process your emotions. To that extent, I have on my website, right below the Newsweek logo, a free, it's free, 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 downloadable PDF that has a diagram and it has now been expanded into a workbook to walk you through the questions. Now, I am not saying that what I have on my website free for you is the end-all be-all. I'm not saying it's perfect. And I am actually saying it's not been uh, validated or endorsed by any other organization or entity. At the same time, I've now got a growing number of people looking for what I've created to find it somewhere else. And everyone's come up empty-handed. So it seems like a big missing, and it's the best I can do to help you. And I've been learning that I'm very skilled at this. So learning to manage and process your emotions, I have as number two, because what we do know from the PubMed research done by clinical researchers is that the emotions that you do not manage and process out lay in wait in your subconscious and unconscious mind for a future date, sometimes exploding. So I don't know any other way to do it than how I do it. And the reason we're on version 4.0 is because I'm deconstructing what I do in my head which I've never been trained or taught or read anything on. And I keep going, oh, I missed a piece. Oh, I missed a piece because it's automatic for me. I have to catch myself managing and processing my emotions to deconstruct it. You, if you're a beginner, which I would suspect most people are going to be beginners, you would go through the workbook on a particular emotional situation and then repeat it and repeat it for each different emotional piece or situation until it becomes a natural automatic process for you. So in my opinion, in my expert opinion, the two critical, I'm going to give you some other critical important pieces, but the, the foundation of the house, your mental emotional fitness foundation 
Number one, rational thinking. Number two, being able to man identify, manage, and process your emotions. One and two. Now, I just mentioned your subconscious and unconscious mind, which is the next piece of this. Where do your emotions, your thoughts, your memories, your judgments, your where does all that stuff reside? Well, it resides in your subconscious and unconscious mind. How much do you know about your subconscious and unconscious mind? I don't know. Well, I do have a podcast that will help you. In my humble opinion, in my most humble opinion, put that on your list. It is extremely valuable to understand your subconscious and unconscious mind. A, that it exists, and B, how it operates, because I'm telling you, from everything I've read, it runs the show, it runs your life, and you don't even know it. So in this idea of moving from I'm not good enough to you are good enough, one thing that would be helpful because where does the I'm not good enough live? It lives in your subconscious and unconscious mind. That's where, you know, it may have been put together by years of, of mistreatment or years of being told you weren't, whatever it, whatever it is, that's where it's sitting, in my opinion, based on the research, based on what I know. So how do you get in there and yank it out? Well, we're not going to go in and do surgery and excise it or give you a lobotomy. My suggestion for this would be to take advantage of neuroplasticity of the brain and rewire your brain or reprogram your brain. So neuroplasticity, I do have a podcast on that. It's the podcast on neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology. Two sciences I hope you'll love. <laughs> I hope you love them because I love them. I adore them. I'm like, I'm in love with those two fields of science. Um, so you're feeling like you're not good enough, if this applies to you, or you're not worthy or deserving, is, is bound up in your unconscious and subconscious mind. Of course, it comes to your, some of you are very conscious of it, but where it sits that needs to be rewritten or reprogrammed or excised is in your subconscious and unconscious mind. If you look at the research, there's a number of different ways you can... Um, access your what's in your subconscious and unconscious mind but they love a lot of time some some involve a fair amount of money you know you can go unpack it in therapy you can there's all kinds of ways you can deal with that I'm a fan of fast easy cheap free get it done like let's get it done because we want to play <laughs> so, so of course I'm a fan for like the easiest way possible or anything because I, I want to have fun so to rewire your brain the most expedient route that I know that's free and easy is using affirmations now there are some people in the world who will tell you that affirmations are a bunch of bunk and do not work well okay let's let's see how much science you understand let's Really, it's kind of a tell that they really don't know about the brain, about creating new neuronal pathways, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they certainly don't know about neuroplasticity of the brain. It is like, oh, it's just, oh, 
It's just the bomb. It's so fun. So affirmations are simple statements that resonate with you, that call to you, that address a problem. So since we're talking about you are good enough, your affirmation could be, I am good enough, or I am really good enough, or I am lovable, I am worthy, I'm deserving. And there's plenty of information on the internet about affirmations and including books by Florence Scovel Shin, Florence Scovel Shin, who was a writer and a teacher in the early 1900s. And her, her first book, I think it was her first book, is titled The Game of Life and How to Play It. And she does advocate affirmations. Her work is very fascinating. She attributes her work to someone else from hundreds of years ago. So this has been around. It's not a new thing. And you can find Florence Scovel Shin's books, plural, on the internet for sale because they are public domain now. So anyone can actually basically print them and sell them. And there are many companies or people who are selling books by Florence Scovel Shin because it's public domain now. So my recommendation for one tactic to start to get to work on to it's basically you're doing brain surgery using affirmations now it takes dedication oh it does and I don't mean like once or twice or three times a day I'm talking about you do it with commitment like it really would make a difference 25 30 times a day day in day out until you created the new neuronal pathways and you're basically writing over the programming that got put in place. So my next piece for this podcast is I'm going to triage. <laughs> I'm going to triage the items for standalone self-esteem. I know I, I like that word when I'm like prioritizing and, and yes, it's the proper use of the word. I've been called out on that. And every time someone looks it up, they go, oh yeah, you're right. That's proper use of that. So to triage, what are the most important things? Well, I already told you two foundations, two foundations that I don't know. I'm not sure it's even remotely possible to have standalone self-esteem without number one, rational thinking, and number two, being able to manage and process your emotions. My next triage item is that you as a human being, you as a person, make a commitment to growing and learning. You just make a commitment. Why not? My next piece in the in the triage <laughs> is to have a reward system. Listen, I have worked with people forever and, uh, you know, rewards, having a reward system for your efforts. Number one, they're really fun. Well, they're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be enjoyable. They're supposed to be something that you look forward to, that keeps you in the game, helps you stay motivated. And it's a sign and a symbol of progress, either progress you've already made or, you know, progress that's coming. So have a reward system and make it enjoyable. Of course, you also want to do something that's within your finances. And I do have a podcast about a reward system. My next suggestion 
if you're committed to feeling good about yourself and getting to the point where you feel good enough, you know you're good enough, and no matter who tells you you're not or who implies you're not or who makes innuendo that you're not, you will not buy it, is to take people with you. We have 85% of the world, according to the research, who have this very issue. So of course, I want you to take people with you because I want other people feeling good about themselves. And for you, the benefit is you are more than 65% more likely to be successful if you have a buddy. Now, depending on how you do it, it can bump your success rate up to over 90%. But take someone with you, even if it's one person, and make it like magical fun. Listen, I've done growth and development with one of my girlfriends forever, and we would just, on the phone, because she doesn't live in the same area I live in, and we would just giggle and laugh and then call each other out on the stuff. Oh, did you just say that? You know what that means? Blah, blah, blah. Make it fun. All right. Affirmations I just mentioned when I was discussing the subconscious mind. This, either you're going to use affirmations to rewrite, overwrite that program. You really have a program, this this belief system that got put together, probably through trauma, etc., that you have to rewrite or overwrite. Affirmations are one way to do it. They're the fastest, easiest, most accessible way to do it. Or you can go and pack yourself in therapy and pack all your issues. You could do do cognitive behavioral therapy. You, there's many things you could do, but affirmations are cheap, easy, free, and effective. My next suggestion is something that I actually did with my kids. I still have some copies. They're so adorable. Is for you to make a list of your good qualities. You as a human being have many many, many good qualities. I know that you do. Now, if you're really feeling deep in the, I'm not good enough, you might have to have a friend help you do the list. I mean, if you really feel bad about yourself, but I'm telling you, you as a human being, you know, you have good qualities. And I'm talking about your personality traits. And I'm also talking about the roles that you fill. When you make a list of your good qualities, like when I did it with my children, you know, one of the things on the list would be I'm a good son or I'm a good daughter. And then there were the, the, the skills that they had. I'm a good cook. I'm funny. I'm um, blah, blah, blah. Like make it a huge, big, long list. If I can come up with a list of hmm, 25 or something like that for little children, you should be able to come up with a comparable list. But make the list and then read it again and again and again and let that in like you're looking at yourself as you're not good enough again that not your fault that was I'm sure put together by anything outside of yourself but now you can use not only affirmations but you can and of course this also contributes to self-awareness for you to really be aware of your good qualities like I know I have many good qualities and I also know I don't have skills and, you know, certain traits. I just don't have certain skills and certain traits. So it is what it is. 
but make a list of your good qualities and keep reading it. Keep letting it in. Like let the totality of your good qualities in. My next in the triage section is to make sure you have plenty of love and affection in your life. If you do not or it's low, go do something about it. I have podcasts that will help you. Next in the triage, and again, these are like the most critical things to do to move you out of the ER. Like if you don't feel good enough about yourself, you don't feel like, if you don't know I'm good enough and you don't operate from I'm good enough the way I am with my imperfections, with my flaws, with the things that I'll never know how to do or whatnot, then then you're in the ER. And this is the triage to get you out and get you moving because this is not good. So set goals and start taking actions on those goals. Learn assertiveness, create healthy boundaries, establish healthy coping strategies if you don't already have them, and use optimism instead of negative thinking. Notice I said optimism, not positive thinking. There is a big difference between optimism and positive thinking. I'm not dissing or demeaning or diminishing positive thinking, but optimism is the global piece you want to be shooting for as opposed to positive thinking. And again, I have podcasts on all these things. And learning to control your mind. The reason I say learning to control your mind in this triage as urgent is because the majority of people that I have experienced with and I've worked with who actually have severe to moderate to mild low self-esteem tend to fall down into the negative thinking trap of ruminating and brooding and overthinking. They go down a dark road. That's common. That's the most common. And you can learn to control your mind. I've already mentioned love and affection. And before I give you an overall list of like the this the next list after this next piece will be kind of a checklist. So I gave you the top 14 triage items like put these the first 14 are like the urgent get on that you could create affirmations today and start doing them today if you said to yourself 30 times a day you can say it when you're driving you can say it when you're getting gas you can say it when you're walking your dog or you know brushing your teeth or taking a shower like you can do affirmations while you're doing something else but if you said to yourself I am worthy. I am good enough. I'm really, I'm really good enough. 30 times a day, you know, in a number of months, that would, that would make a difference. Now, depending on how you do it and your commitment and how, where you are and you're feeling unworthy or undeserving will kind of be the formula along with how you think. There's a whole bunch of complicating factors about how long will it take? Well, how long will it take? Well, it depends on how you're wired. So, the next piece is um, self-sabotage. Now, the reason that I self-sabotage, this is actually interesting because self-sabotage is not something that I typically talk about. Although it's been on my list 
to do a podcast about getting out of your own way. For some reason, um, because of the work I've done with people in one-to-one coaching, I really felt like um, this has to be said. So if you don't know what I mean by self-sabotage, that's really kind of a destructive behavior that you that is directed at yourself. Or it could be called a self-defeating behavior or behavior or actions. And it's really become self-sabotage when the behaviors or actions create a problem in your daily life or it interferes with long-standing goals. The source for self-sabotage is frequently or often fears Um, And it it can also be a coping mechanism. So some people who have this feeling that they're not deserving, they're not good enough, they're not worthy, uh, more would have a self-sabotage coping mechanism. I'm not saying everyone who has low self-esteem or doesn't feel like they're good enough self-sabotages, but self-sabotage is way more common than we talk about or than many people would acknowledge. So I felt because I'm really committed for you to move to feeling good about yourself, that this had to be mentioned because this is where some people will get off track where they'll take themselves out of the game for moving towards feeling good enough about themselves because you're really going against some this idea which is almost extremely predictable and likely a trauma response and some for some people they will hold on tightly to the way they're set up because it's 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 a trauma response and it's the only way they have lived life since they were young or you know, whenever it happened. So self-sabotage, sometimes people will push other people away so they don't get rejected. And, and it's often, or sometimes it comes in the form of extreme self-criticism or refusing to ask for help or making excuses. There's all kinds of ways that self-sabotage shows up. And if you are committed to feeling good about yourself, which I hope you would be, why would you not be? Because you want to spend the rest of your life suffering and feeling bad about yourself? No. Well, if you're a martyr or you like playing the victim, then yes. But I'm hoping that my podcast listeners do not want to be the victim and do not play the martyr and that you do want to feel good about yourself. So, It's helpful for you if you're moving on this path and you have this commitment to feeling that you are good enough, because I'm telling you, you are good enough, to be awake and aware of any self-sabotage. Because self-sabotage can bubble up or come or originate in your subconscious or unconscious mind. It's not like typically your conscious mind going, oh, how can I ruin my life? How can I not get what I want? That's not how it goes. These are very stealth mechanisms. And of course, the the thing that I mentioned earlier in the triage, the 
ER urgent things to help you start feeling good about yourself is having a team or taking people with you. That will help you from falling out of bed. That will help you stay on track because listen, most people don't like change and most people will hold on very tightly to the way they got put together. It's not unreasonable. It's just not unreasonable. But the way you got put together doesn't have to be how you're put together moving forward. So just be awake and aware to self-sabotage. So I gave you earlier the little triage list of the most important things. And I have many others that I'm going to just kind of list out. I do have podcasts on all, almost all of these topics. Um, so it, it's, this is what will take you there long term. I would start with the first um, 14 things that were in the triage list, which I'm going to repeat. So number one, emotional and mental fitness. Well, that's the umbrella term for everything I'm talking about in all of my podcasts is that you are emotionally fit. You're mentally fit. Of course, I want you to be happy and healthy, but guess what? If you get your emotional and mental fitness house in order, I can't imagine that you'd be unhappy because that's kind of the opposite of what the intention and and end result is. Number one, well, number two, rational thinking. I already covered that. Emotional processing and management skills. Go to my website, print out the workbook. It's called emotional processing diagram or whatever. It's right, right below the icon, right below the Newsweek logo and start practicing Self-care, having enough love and affection in your life, having enough good friends and social connections in your life that lift you up. You've got social connections that are not lifting you up. And in fact, some of them might be telling you directly or indirectly, you're just not good enough. You just don't measure up. Um, how, setting goals and taking actions, having a reward system, as I mentioned, having a team or at least taking a buddy with you, making it playful and fun. Oh, please do that. Listen, your life would just change overnight. If you could ditch being serious and just start laughing and playing and having fun, it is the best. Um, empowering attitudes and beliefs, learning how to control your mind, self-awareness, Learning how to generate your own happiness separate from your circumstances. Yes, that's a thing. Yes, I've done that my whole life. And yes, if I hadn't had that, I would have had a lifetime of depression and just horribleness, like awful. Understand the mind-body connection. That's going to take you back to the podcast on psychoneuroimmunology. That is very important. Recognizing trauma responses, trauma bonding, that may be what's happening, betrayal trauma and betrayal blindness, building your time management skills, making sure you have healthy boundaries, make sure you have coping, healthy coping strategies for life, 
grow your heart like the Grinch. Yes, yes, yes. You can grow your heart. Your heart doesn't have to shrink. I mean, people will break your heart, but if you grow your heart like the Grinch, it's much more malleable. And so people break your heart and you just keep going. Um, Self-compassion and taming your inner critic. Learning basic psychology. So in the revised workbook, if it's not up today, it'll be up this week. I have added in some very basic psychology terms because they are important in managing and processing your emotions. If someone is projecting, that's not you. That's them projecting. But if you don't know what projecting is, you're going to end up processing your emotions minus that, which would be inaccurate. So learnings, I'm, I'm talking about very basic psychology. Learn assertiveness. That's amazing. Deal with your problems and issues. Have integrity and character in your life always. I mean, listen, you just have to be a good person. Well, actually, actually, you don't. You don't have to be a good person. But if you want to know that you're good enough and you want to feel good enough, you cannot do bad things. You cannot. I don't know how you could feel good about yourself or think you are good enough or think you're deserving or worthy if you're doing bad stuff. I don't think it works that way. I don't know because I, listen, when I go to confession, I'd like to, I like to have the smallest list possible when I go to confession. So having care, having character and integrity, be a good person. So for your takeaways, it's time to recognize this is the silent epidemic, silent epidemic that is hurting and harming people. And I'm suggesting it is a huge societal issue and the underpinnings of many of our problems. And takeaway number two is, yes, I've just given you two foundations as well as 14 triage actions that you can get in on right now to start moving yourself to feel better. Of course you want to feel better. And take people with you, making this the fun adventure. You can even create, okay, for our reward of spending six months working on moving this way, we're going to take a road trip and you could just have the best time ever you could. And my call to action is share this podcast on social media because this is a problem for you, for family, for friends, for coworkers. And of course you'd want to be, do them a good service by sharing this. All right, that's it. Take care. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 128, You Are Good Enough. I hope you found some ideas, some opportunities for actions, because I want you to know you're good enough, and I want you to feel that you are good enough. Please subscribe so you get my new podcast automatically. Obviously, this is an epidemic problem. Share this podcast to help other people step away from feeling like they're not good enough. That's all. I love you. Take care for now.